Salam and welcome to our podcast, Muslims on Fire. Stories from ordinary Muslims doing extraordinary things. With your host, Maruf. Dear listener, Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Hey, assalamu alaikum. This is Maruf, uh, your host, Muslims on Fire. Today, I have a very, very good friend of mine from far away from where I stand right now, from Australia. He's an award-winning designer, he's a brand expert, and most importantly, I know him also be a great community builder as well. And one and only Peter Gold. How are you, my friend? Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the show, bro. Hey, walaikum salam. I'm really great, really great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. Sometime, even though you are from Australia, we always catch up in Dubai, don't we? Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, alhamdulillah, yes. Australia does feel like a different planet sometimes, which is usually a good thing. But uh, yeah, Dubai is often where, yeah, we catch up and a few other friends. It's sort of the, a good uh, meeting place for, for lots of things. Awesome. I mean, we have known each other for six, seven years now. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to measure things in just simply years. Like it feels like, you know, what things we're doing or yeah. I mean, when you, <laughs> I don't know if, if you feel the same, but you feel like it's sort of measured by how old was my kids at that time? <laughs> what was the kind of life at that point? And yeah, but it feels it feels been a while. So, um, yeah, it's so great to uh, be chatting with you today, man. That's true. That's true. I mean, we've been doing I think we've been doing different projects, you know, alhamdulillah, we've been all been learning and growing and here we are. Today, I think the time is yours, we get to know you. And I think some of the, I mean, alhamdulillah, you're already well known in community. But today, as, as we said, we're gonna go back, way back to your childhood and try to understand, you know, tickle the brain of Peter Gould and what makes him to the person he is today. So let's go back and then try to understand who you are. <laughs> so tell, <laughs> yeah. tell me, tell me, Peter, how, what, what are the first memories you do remember, you know, as a childhood, you know, what you may think that may kind of affect to the wow, person. Wow, we're going way back, man. We're going way back. Oh, that's exactly what <laughs> okay. we're doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, firstly, if any, if any listeners are still listening, I, I appreciate your time and uh, I'll, I'll try and extract the useful things for you because cool. I know everyone is everyone is uh, you know has a lot and there's so many amazing great podcasts and books and articles and things to read so uh, I'll, I'll try and find some learnings and highlights that, that are useful rather than a, a long three-hour stroll through my uh, <laughs> you know not always interesting life but yeah look very briefly I, I feel super super blessed I had a um, you know I had a really happy childhood I Early, when you talk about early memories, I think of like, you know, I have, I guess, more visual sort of memory of, and sensation of like, you know, early, like even I can remember the kind of areas I was. So I grew up in kind of southern Sydney in a kind of sweet, not, not very well known kind of part of Sydney that's sort of, you know, got a lot of parks and birds and 
trees and you know being near beaches and little bays and things like that and uh you know as you get older um you appreciate you know just just the natural setting so i remember a lot of that type of thing and and being with you know my grandparents and and my parents so um yeah i, I feel very grateful to have that as a start and you know largely pretty uneventful childhood but all the sort of normal kind of learnings and things that you go through as a a young person yeah so uh you know, I guess, I don't know what would be key learnings from that, but definitely, um, okay. you know, it's something I try and do as a parent now. You think as a parent for your own kids, like, ah, like, I feel responsible that I'm trying to help create their earliest memories, which mm-hmm. is a big, like, a, tr- a, man- a manner, right? A big, you know, trust that, like, okay, I want their earliest memories to be happy and fine mm-hmm. and good, you know? So <laughs> that's how I see things now, you know, through that lens, too. Okay, interesting. So tell me this, did you, did you like school? Did you, any of the subjects you like school or maybe you love school? Some people love school. <laughs> what happened there? Yeah. Yeah. I w- again, I was pretty fortunate. So like my early school, like what we call primary school here or, or infants. Yeah, it was a, just a local school. I had a, I had generally a pretty good experience. You know, I, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I did pretty well. Yeah, I have like, you know, I remember a couple, couple of specific things with teachers. Like I had one teacher who was pretty cool who um, used to play Cat Stevens songs on the guitar okay. in class. So. So I used to like know these Cat Stevens songs and I had no idea at the time, but much later, you know, that would become an interesting sort of revisiting some of those through a, through a more spiritual lens and actually, you know, meeting Cat Stevens, you know, who, who became Yusuf Islam. That yeah. was just an interesting thread of life, you know, uh, you know, God plans for you. Anyway, that was one memory, but um, going to high school, yeah, I, again, had a generally really positive experience. You know, I, I was drawn towards, we had subjects in design and in, mm-hmm. in art, so Unfortunately, um, our school had like we had kind of this forward-thinking art teacher who created like this digital art lab, which was pretty progressive in the sort of mid to late 1990s. Mm-hmm. So, like you can imagine, in you know 1997, 98, 99, having access to like these big uh, you know Macintosh computers back then and big printers, and it was all very like clunky by today's standards. But um, I enjoyed that tech and trying to figure things out and how do you get Photoshop to like not crash and run out of memory to print on like a a A2 size posters and you know so it was very hands-on yeah but all the things you go through like you know it's 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 not like it you know it's not dreamlike you i go through high school you have all sorts of dramas and challenges to figure out but um yeah overall that helped me kind of you know start going in my kind of creative career i see so i mean what you're saying is that like your interest to the to the arts like were so it was at that time you could already see that you were drawn to art. That's what you're saying to a specific way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think as a younger person, like I would like to draw and sketch and figure things out. And I, I, you know, some time ago going through like, you know, an old archive of documents and things, I found a bunch of things I had done as a kid and I, I had made designed advertisements for computers that didn't exist. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I don't know what, but I had sketched up and like fully specced out these really big computers with like, I guess, you know, they could do all these play games and they could have. And and I'm like, I don't know if that's healthy for a kid to be designing advertisements, but I guess I I was. But, you know, um, and of course, what's cute is like to have the big, you know, CRT monitors, you know, those big, you know, they weren't like flat screen. (laughs) What I call them, real 3D monitors, you know? Yeah, yeah, really. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was drawn to that. And I was fortunate that my parents kind of, you know, kind of facilitated that. And they they weren't sort of, you know, sort of artistic type of, you know, in their own paths. But, um, you know, let me to, you know, I remember they enrolled me in like a cartoon school and 
different things like that. So, you know, and, and my grandfather was um, what you'd kind of describe as an interior designer today. Wow, so like cool. he, you know, helped people kind of, you know, refurnish their house and stuff like that. But, you know, it was sort of done quite differently back when he was practicing. But um, yeah, so I had, I guess, the right platform or the right kind of guidance around me to so get things to the right. Was, design was in the blood then. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, even to today, like right on my desk every day, I carry, I keep a couple of objects from my grandfather, you know, I mean, he passed away many, many years ago, but, you know, I have his camera on my desk. And, um, you know, I just try and, uh, you know, just kind of think about that, that, you know, it's just a nice kind of link that, I, that I'm fortunate to keep. Interesting, very interesting, right? So, so let me just say, so you finished the school, is it then you just went to university, like to study art? Or what happened? Yeah, so I had a pretty clear idea of what courses I wanted to get into. Mm -hmm. So we had here, like you could do a Bachelor of Design, and there were different types of design you could get into. And, you know, I, there was one called um, Product Design or Industrial Design, as it was kind of called. And, and you know, there was, there was more of a, a graphic design type of course called Visual Communication that's okay. still um, very popular. And you had to work hard to get into them because they weren't just like, oh, if you're really good at art design, get in. It was more... Um, back then, it was like you actually had to have like a pretty high mark in, across like things like math, English, science, oh, really? history. They, yeah, so, you you know, I had to, a good thing it was, I, I guess I enjoyed, you know, I, I really love like modern history, for example, and we mm -hmm. had a subject called business studies. And so, um, yeah, I just, looking back, I was fortunate to have a lot of the right ingredients around me, I think, to, to sort of start baking something. And then, yeah, I went to Bachelor of Design. That was like a four-year course. And, you know, and I stretched that out as I was trying to start freelancing during that time. I see. So, like, uh, you, you finished. So, I think there was, like, a bachelor's. There was a four, three or four years. Is it correct? Yeah. So, it's a, it was a four-year course. So, it's like a four-year honors um, sort of course, Bachelor of Design. And, but, you know, sort of a couple, one or two years into that, well, I guess I should go back a little bit earlier that late high school, I was working, like, basic jobs, like, working at McDonald's, working mm -hmm. at, you know, stuff like that, just trying to get cash to, you know, just, do, you know, just to kind of do things that late teenagers sure. would do. And, you know, I, I really love diving into the world of, you know, creating things in Photoshop and, you know, changing images and making posters and all of that. So um, that was kind of picked up by, I guess, a couple of people around me. And I remember a school friend in grade 11 asked me to design a poster mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, but how about I, you pay me $20 to do it? You know, just kind of picking, <laughs> picking. and and it was like, yeah, that's sure. good. That's good. Uh, that's a business, uh, business was from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know, and I realized, Oh, that's, that's, that's the equivalent of working five hours at McDonald's because I was getting about $4. And you an do hour. enjoy, you do enjoy what you do. You get paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, yeah, that's fair. And so I put all my heart into this poster. I was probably like, the most terrible poster ever designed but it was it was good enough that he was happy he paid me i'm like wow i could i pretty much spent a whole day working with Donald or design and and thus i was like okay this is what i need to do this is i want my career to do that this kind of stuff it's amazing isn't it like uh, you can get to do what you enjoy and you can you can make a difference and you love it and most importantly you can also earn a living isn't it yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing if you can align all of those things. Um, I was listening to a great kind of, it was actually like an online webinar thing just this week with an author that, and a thinker that I really follow, Bill Burnett. And it's, it's a book, he's got a book called Design Your Life. And then mm -hmm. he has a, a new one coming out called Design Your Work Life. And cool. anyway, it's, it's great. And the reason I bring that up is because he was kind of describing after many different case studies, they kind of seen these three factors that they kind of call 
meaning, impact, and expression. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of saying that, look, you ideally with your work life, it'd be great if you you got to work out. You you can't. They can't always be full. <laughs> you know, sometimes you know there's different ones. So one might be more impact, but it's not as sustainable. You know, financially. So it's kind of you know we're always experimenting with those different kind of levels. I think and you know, even though you might love design, you work in design, it's very different to then when you want to try and actually make that sustainable mm-hmm. into like a, a business that's got to pay the bills, got to pay school fees, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. It's a, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole layer of, you know, turning that into a healthy business. Absolutely. And I think uh, there are some uh, listeners that are asking questions. I think we will get to that. I think when we begin to, you know, set up your business. So let me ask you this, after finishing the university, did you work for other companies or you dive into creating your own agency? How did it work out for you? Yeah, so I was, it was kind of organic in that basically I, I was freelancing and, and, you know, I just started with people I knew through just, you know, through different community type of activity and, you know, people that I kind of knew here and there. I mean, when you're sort of, you know, 18, 19, 20, your kind of network is not that big or the people at university and, yeah, I was, I guess I was kind of trying to, you know, hustle a little bit, get some design work mm-hmm. and help people design their logo. Back then, like, you know, it wasn't like today you can just go online and find all these services to do That's it. True. You know, you kind of have to find a designer and someone to help you create your kind of, you know, identity and maybe, a you know, a little website for them and code it in HTML manually, all this stuff. And anyway, so I found myself a little bit in demand. And just as that grew, there was sort of clients I started working with that there was one in particular that was going to start an agency with one of their people, like mm-hmm. one of their kind of former colleagues. And they basically said, look, um, will you come in and help like kind of build out design team? But we also need you to, you know, help set up the tech and, you know, hire people. And so I technically never worked for, you know, like joined anyone as an employee. I was always kind of freelancing. But mm-hmm. so I was, you know, helped kind of do that. But that became, you know, a pretty successful small agency that then grew and you know, I helped them kind of win clients. So I learned a lot through that. Wow. You know, I kind of, I was sort of, yeah, yeah. It was, it was almost like being day to day in a, another company, but I still had clients on the side. That's interesting. So you actually kind of bypassed it. Usually people create their business, but you were actually helping someone create, you can get in paid. So it's almost zero risk, right? <laughs> and you, you, you learned the, you learned the tactics. So in the later, you can create on your own if you wanted. Is, is that correct? Yeah, it's something like that, but I, I, I probably painting it too idyllic. I mean, it was it was like really hard because you know I had to do a lot of overnights. I remember like mm. sleeping under the desk sometimes before clients were coming in, and you know working ridiculous hours and trying to. I mean, it's just learning. And that age, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, you've I had the time and energy to just you know embrace all of that and you know I just see. just try and dive in. You know, put the, put the hours in and figure it out as you go. I see. I mean, so so this is after the university, right? This this timeline, what's going on right now? This what? Yes, yeah, right towards the end. Yeah, yeah. I kind of was. It was towards the end of my university, and I actually delayed my university by a year, um, mm-hmm. just to because the business was going. And I kind of, you know, explored the idea of just you know letting go completely and not finishing my design degree. But mm-hmm. it was cool that the last year of our university is basically it's one whole year on a big project. Mm-hmm. And there was something I really wanted to do and, and kind of make I was really interested in. Um, at the time, it was kind of quite new, which is augmented reality. So, you know, around 2003, wow. 2004. That time? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That time. Yeah, it was it wasn't an Apple. There was no iPhones. And so there was no Facebook back then. It was like no. 2003, 2004. And um, yeah, anyway, I kind of made this working prototype of an AR kind of headset using some, you know, open source software and some of my own ideas and design. 
anyway, so I spent it, that was kind of like my side passion for a year and finished that in 2005. Okay, so after you finished, so that's the, I mean, like, when was the time, like, you're helping this company to build up the agency? When was the time you said, well, that's enough, I'm going to do my own, own thing? There was a time you kind of decided or you were slowly transitioned and how did it happen? Because sometimes it's an interesting question for the listeners, you know, if they want to set up their own agency or business, for example. Yeah, that's right. And the thing is, with with every person on their journey, like, you know, it's it's easy to kind of look back and you see the, the connections. But, you know, it's as many poets say, you have, you know, life can be understood backwards, but you've mm-hmm. got to live it forward. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> you know, the different threads were happening and a number of things together. And we'll talk a little bit, I guess, about my kind of spiritual journey, which was mm-hmm. which was sort of started to come increasingly into the into my thinking at that time. Okay, um, but it was it yeah yeah and that, that had a bearing on it but essentially i mean with that agency what was kind of funny in a way is that i kind of hired up that hired the team and you know we, as they won more jobs and we were hiring people i kind of almost like made myself redundant because you know more and more there was there was like people doing and i was trying to freelance and they were like say well you know we need full time and what's funny one of the people i hired you know i became really he's an amazing designer dominic i became quite good friends with him and to this day i just saw him a couple of weeks ago and this is we gosh 15 years ago or something now but um it was uh you know it was funny because he he often jokes that oh you know pete you hired me and then um you know and then you kind of left so (laughs) we have this uh, we have this dynamic but it's just you figure it out as you go you know and it was exciting time like in you know things like social media were just happening and but I guess if we cycle back to my sort of personal journey, became sure. this thread through these decisions at that time. So, is, is, so yeah, exactly. I was going to ask my next question was that, so is, was that at that same time, like you're finishing school? Is it the, I remember like, the, you know, you mentioned that this, the spiritual journey, is it, is it at that time you're asking this uh, fundamental questions of life uh, or is it later? When was it? Yeah. So the, another whole layer to, to kind of that journey I was just describing was, mm-hmm. you know, me just, I guess, trying to, to figure out life. And, and at that age, I think a lot Latin. of people start asking, well, no, no, figure out life. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> figure <laughs> out life. I'm speaking fast and probably too Australian, but figure out life and figure out, you know, meaning and, uh, you know, a few different things were happening that kind of started late high school. And then as I was going into university as well, so it's this other kind of thread or, or layer of what was happening while I'm having the design and creative journey. And that involves a few different things. So it involves um, coming to actually know some Muslims, getting getting to meet some Muslims, not something that I had planned or even thought about or even knew anything about. But kind of I got to know one Muslim and their families during high school mm-hmm. and kind of kept that, you know, kind of kept a relationship where, you know, I became to appreciate that you know, before something faith and religion, I, I just, you know, I didn't have really a good opinion of, I was kind of just unfortunately fell into the the box of just laboring, labeling like anything to do with God or religion as like old fashioned and mm-hmm. just, you know, very, you know, like I, I fit it into the, you know, say in Australia or a lot of, lot of places in the US, it's like, you know, religion is, it's not cool. Mm-hmm. It is very like old fashioned, something my backwards. Yeah, yeah, something my parents did, and you know, and then I would see the church and whatever, and it'd be like, hey, yeah, it's you have certain like certain parts of you like might appreciate parts of it, but overall, you just so I just kind of followed the the herd, sadly, sure. without even really thinking much about it. But it wasn't until I got to know some people that took it more seriously and had a much more, you know, spiritual uh, kind of understanding of the world and a bigger picture and 
they didn't focus necessarily on you know the church or you know so like the, it was a different type of um, learning for me where it just kind of opened my understanding and I realized wow I had missed so much and like I had just written off a whole part of you know human existence uh, um, mm. without even really taking the time so I just kind of you know I took the time to get, get to know and then through these Muslims I started reading I started wait, visiting wait, so, wait 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 yeah so before we dive into Muslims I mean Australia must be full of other religious you know religious people why why Muslims why this guy like What was the reason why this you're focusing because he was a good friend or childhood questions are sponsored by Ali Huda. Ali Huda is a video on demand streaming platform for Muslim children where they can watch cartoons and shows while learning about Islam the fun way. If you are a Muslim parent, this will be one of your best investments. Visit www.alihuda.com for a seven-day free trial. Now back to the show. Yeah, well, initially it was a girl, okay. actually, who, and then and her kind of family that I got to know that, that lived near me. And, okay. and I just was just really fascinated with, you know, why... People would even take any of this stuff seriously, <laughs> you oh, know, and, and and it's it seemed like something very strange or foreign, something that I I just had not really had any relationship to. Mm-hmm. Like I, I joke that you know my understanding of of God came from like The Simpsons, you know. <laughs> There's <laughs> okay. like the the Ned Flanders character across the road, and like you know it it was just you know something that I didn't have this strong resonance, and I just feel it was completely I was completely blinded by popular culture and not taking the you know the time to you know have a, Yeah. So yeah, definitely. You know, Muslim Muslims in Australia, like there's there's not a big number. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like you said, there's many many different cultures and and groups of different communities here. And I mean, I I can't really explain why that I happen to have this connection apart mm-hmm. from, you know, it was it was planned and and it felt it just kind of took me down a path. And yeah, I was curious. I kept exploring it, and it was this. It wasn't like this light bulb moment of like, oh, this is this is it. I wasn't like no, struck no, by something on the hill. It was just over time, seeing I guess the certain wisdoms in it. Even though I had a lot of questions and some mm-hmm. things, you know, didn't make sense, and looking lots of things in history, I still had to figure out. Mm-hmm. But just this inner awareness starts growing when you start having those questions about um, meaning, about you know, like you know. Am I really just, you know, biology and chemistry? Uh, mm-hmm. These people I'm taught, interacting with, all these type of things. What is a soul? Like, do people, you know, we communicate with language, you know, sounds through our mouth or, you know, ink on paper. But is there something more and deeper that we can't express mm-hmm. through just simple language and simple kind of sounds? And as that awareness grows, that sort of self-awareness, that self-actualization, you start seeing your limitations. You start seeing... things in a whole new light and mm. i just found that islam and the various kind of wisdoms in something that from like say ramadan from the outside for someone just exploring that looks very strange and difficult like why would you like not eat in the Doesn't day make like, sense. Just eat. it's insane right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah it just from the surface level it's like that it's really like that's silly just have some water like it's okay you still fine but you start appreciating that yeah certain things you you just kind of surrender to and then when you actually do it you you feel it you experience it and you, you that that inner kind of sakina that inner peace you get mm. from practicing these you know certain ancient wisdoms they they you feel it 
someone put it this way. It's like, um, you know, you can't, um, you can describe the taste of honey all day, but until you actually taste honey yourself, then you're like, oh, that's the honey. So that was like me and coming into Islam, I think. I see. I see. So, I mean, I think uh, I'm, the, I'm trying to understand probably it's almost impossible, but I think you saw, you have, you were exposed to this Muslim girl. So somehow maybe your friend, maybe in that course together, like, before religion was like foreign to you right it's just a caricature from the simpsons but now there is a person in front of you doing these things for the name of god right whichever doesn't make sense and and then it just bothers you in in one way or another like and but some kind of so that's what you're trying to do right like questioning maybe did i miss something and you try to kind of go into deep trying to explore is is it what's going on and the behind the whole process during this time or something else yeah it's like a, it's a gradual journey of mm. like you know being confronted with you know challenging yourself you know you just you also realize that i think a key to a, a sort of a key to a peaceful existence in in you know in this world is just accepting that not everything is completely rational and scientific <laughs> and just measured you know just you know always do one plus one equals two like it, there is just a whole other layer to you know, which, which the, you know, ancient civilizations and traditionally, I think humans understood there's just, there's just more than just, you know, this, this you simple see? kind of rational yeah. everything. There is just, you know, there is a, another layer of um, this, this depth that, you know, the Muslims just kind of grow up with and, you know, they, they kind of get because they, you know, they've just been around environments and thinking and, and have, but when you, when you're not raised like that, yeah, it's, you, you really grapple with it. It's confronting. Mm. So, yeah, when you start just having that awakening through many different kind of interactions and readings and thinking and you, you start letting go of the, the what ifs and the all the questions you have. It's like, oh, my God, like I can't pray five times a day. That just sounds like <laughs> too much work. And yeah, but then you just you, you start experiencing it and you, you realize that there's a, there's a depth and a beauty to it. Here's, here's my question. Look, I mean, if anybody other, like any other person, like let's say it was just a curiosity, like you would understand, okay, oh, this is what it means and just move on with their life. But you are taking it to the next level. I mean, you're talking about praying and Ramadan, et cetera, et cetera. Why are you taking it seriously? Why will you, why will you just keep pushing forward? That's, that's the question. You're burning me like crazy. Does it make sense? Like, I mean, say sometimes yeah. excuse and say, okay, oh, oh, okay, this was Islam. Yeah, that's fine. You know, some people do that and say, they just move on with their life. But in your case, that, as we know, it's not the case. So you are just, <laughs> you are trying to like willingly, unwillingly, you know, nah, I'm not going to do it, but I have to do it. I, I don't know, whatever is going on in your mind, but somehow you're kind of trying to, this dualism in hum, in every humanity, right? And just trying to understand and, and, and like willing, unwilling, you are just dragging yourself to this point. Why would you do that? You... Yeah, well, I, I didn't feel like dragging, you know, okay. it, it just, it just felt more, you know, organic and okay. it just okay. kind of, it, it's more of a feeling, you know, it's, okay. it's, that's the thing. Like, if I try to rationally explain it to you or anyone, it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's just, it's like explaining rationally why you would fall in love. Like, well, you can't really rationally, no, you just no. kind of know and you just, you just experience it. And that I, I, I was just going through that and yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely um, moments of um, a lot of moments of, of challenge and confusion and um, question marks, but then mm -hmm. just moments of, of clarity, you know, mm -hmm. moments where you just try praying or you try sit or you just kind of say, okay, everyone's talking about this zikr. 
everyone's mm-hmm. sitting or I can go visit a mosque and people are doing this thing. I'm like, what is that? Like, you know, now you can imagine like someone who's never encountered that to then take the time to sit and just be quiet and reflect and start trying mm-hmm. those kind of activities. And then, wow, it can be, it can be profound. Mm-hmm. So when you have enough of those little moments, you go, you know what? I don't quite get all of this stuff, but I just know there's something very right about it for mm-hmm. me. And I can't explain it for everyone else. And I, and I understand everyone has their own path. You know, Rumi, Rumi says everyone has, you know, as many paths to God as there are people on earth. And so that was my path. And I just, you know, I, but I feel like I'm still on it, you know, like you go Absolutely. through a door and, you know, and it's, you just, you just feel very fortunate to be enriched with all sorts of new experiences and learning. And then you start seeing these challenges you have are actually kind of wisdom in disguise. And so um, if I didn't have certain things going on back, you know, have the door open for me, Absolutely. you know, spiritually. So, so it was this time you, you are you finish your college, you are going the spiritual journey. And I think you were working this agency. Now you are quitting. And so is it the time when you start your first agency at that time? Is, is, is that the time like own your studio yeah. is a time or something later? Yeah, well, the, I mean, I, technically I'd had it pretty much from basically almost when I started university. You know, I registered okay. a company. Um, I, you know, it was very old school back then. I, I went and met like the bank manager in person and started <laughs> an account and like, you know, like, you know, registered the company. And it was like, it was like a thrill, but also scary because it's like, man, I'm just this kid. Like, I don't, like, you know, it was sometimes like, yeah, I can do this. And other times like, man, I don't know what, how to do all the paperwork. Like, I, what do I do? And I just, you know, I didn't really have, you know, mentors or like mm. designers that I could reach out to. I was just trying to figure out, read whatever I could um, and just kind of learn as I go. And yeah, so I, I kind of had started the company then technically, but it wasn't, I didn't, it didn't really feel like a, a company, I guess, until I started growing a team. So that started when I was at university and, you know, starting to get some more projects and clients mm. sort of requests. And I, and I needed help. Like I couldn't do my assignments and the projects and, uh, you know, and everything as well. So um, I started hiring some of my classmates saying like, hey, can you're really good at like Illustrator. Can I pay you to help me do this thing? You know, yeah, and, uh, and that's how I kind of and that it worked like, you know, I was able to figure out, you know, basic math. I was like, okay, well, I can get this project for this much and um, I can only do that much. I'll have to hire someone else to do the rest. Mm. And it just kind of grew. And, and by the time, yeah, I had, you know, finished university and, you know, I was moving a bit away from helping this other team to, to start mm-hmm. my own. It was the same time I had sort of embraced Islam at, okay. around that point. I and see. I, is it the one that the previous, I think it was called Peter Gould. Was it, is it that company or was something else? The well, agency? The, the agency I actually called, it was called Creative Cube. It's what it was oh, called, okay, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. And yeah, it was it had a little logo. It was like it was the idea was creativity cubed, you know, like the, the little kind of three exponential creativity, mm-hmm. right? So creative cubed, and yeah, it, it was it was intentionally just sort of um, you know like a little design agency type of feel, and but it, it just kind of worked because I guess you know I was I, I loved the work, I liked meeting new clients, I was really driven to try and build something, and you know I ended up getting you know first like local kind of government projects as well and then that led to more you know bigger ones and soon we were doing you know know, some quite big projects for you know big departments in um, the country here in Australia Mm -hmm. and something started happening you gotta gotta remember my kind of creative journey is linked to the spiritual journey Mm -hmm. so I started also traveling 
So, you know, after, after I got married, which was a, a sort of around the same time, I went to part of that was going to southern Spain, going to Andalusia, you know, oh, going beautiful. to Alhambra. Beautiful. And that was like this awakening moment. And then it was like everything at that time became about how can I save up enough money to fly back to more of these kind of places? <laughs> so, you know, mm. we started saving and flying. We went to Morocco for a month and just, you know, immersed in the, the language and the culture there. And then, you know, it was such a joy to be able to do all that. So I think that your agency, the Creative Cube at the time, like, was it like uh, kind of inclined angle towards the Islamic projects or that, that it was just general? Because I remember later on, it was you were also getting more uh, clients from the Muslim world and more like uh, inclined toward that. Maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm not telling. I don't know. That's, 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 that was my impression. Am I right? Or yeah, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. No, no. it was it was all kind of linked. So as I kind of, you know, I was growing kind of more mainstream, just regular kind of commercial clients and corporate type of design work. I all, As I kind of became a little bit more aware or active in Muslim community in Sydney, people started to try to figure out who is this guy? Like, what, what, who is this, you know, what, what's this guy about? And then when I got to know some people, they were like, as I was explaining around graphic design and, you know, building digital kind of projects and things like that, you know, I started to get a lot of requests to, to help set up, you know, or help design, uh, you know, the kind of identity for organization or event posters or things like that. And I was only too happy to just help do all of that because, you know, I had to just get into it at that time. And, you know, that just resulted in these two really strong strands of um, work coming in and mm. projects to do across the Muslim community and then our, our regular kind of corporate. So what that led to just in a nutshell is like a couple of years later, is like, well, I had this strand of kind of Muslim projects through what I called Azan. It was mm -hmm. called Azan, right? And it was like Azan Creative. And I put some of my photography on there, mm -hmm. some of my artwork that was inspired by the travel and kind of more Muslim projects. And my, I remember sitting down at some point in probably 2005 or six. And just writing this whole thing is like, you know, I was like, you know, things I would love to do. And I remember mm -hmm. writing like, inshallah, you know, I would love to have a design company that can work for, um, you know, Muslim, work on cool Muslim brands and projects and, mm -hmm. you know, and design for Muslims. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Because at the time, like when you searched or even looked for like, you know, Muslim designers or, you know, Muslim graphic design there were like almost like no results. Like there was, it was just sort of wasn't like today where you have, all these great design teams and, mm. you know, freelancers that understand graphic design or, or, you know, design really well, but, you know, have this kind of faith lens or background they can Absolutely. bring into it. I see. I see. That makes a lot of sense. So, but I mean, so fast forward from that moment for fast forward today, you are today uh, the co-founder of Zillage, right? And can you tell us more about your transformation to, from Creative Cube to Zillage and like, how was the transition? How I just would like to know a little bit back. I know it's it's a big long story, but just try to make it as brief as you can. But yeah, good, well, good think time. of think of it this way. It, it, you know, all of us, whatever we do in our career, in our life, we're mm -hmm. always experimenting, iterating, trying things out. And as a designer, you kind of think of yourself as prototyping. So I mm -hmm. feel that you know my whole you know approach to having a design studio has been lots of prototyping which means trying things out you know every once in a while things go well a lot of the time you know it's an experiment it's just learning mm -hmm. so if you think of that i would say the, the short version of that transformation over 10 years is you know consistently having 
this kind of, you know, kind of, you know, idea of where you want to go, what kinds of work and clients you'd like to be working with and what kind of brands you want to be working on. But, you know, trying out, you know, dozens of little experiments. And as you know, I remember, you know, like you would have seen some little prototypes and projects I tried and, you know, mm. building some apps and trying lots and lots of that. And what that incrementally has meant through all of that iteration and learning is, um, you know, creating this in, in now what is Zalij and Zalij Studio is, you know, having this strong sense of purpose and trying to create meaningful brands that, you know, create better representation and, and diversity and bring in a strong kind of Muslim presence. But, you know, you know, sort of this inclusiveness through um, either like consumer products that we've designed or digital products we've designed, both that we've built ourselves or even, you know, toys and games, but mm -hmm. also, you know, regularly serving, you know, great clients we love that work with like Launch Good, who are, you know, just, I'm like, just hit $100 million raised through their oh, yeah. platform and doing, you know, helping develop their brand and their communication. So I, I guess the short version is like having this sense of purpose and meaning and trying to be guided towards that, that vision and that mountain, not knowing maybe precisely what that is, but just always kind of, you know, following that and following your heart, you know, designing from the heart and, and, there's a great speech by a guy called Neil Gaiman, who he has a speech called Make Good Art. And he kind of describes this, you know, this distant mountain that you want to work towards, you know, this vision or whatever it is. And as you go. Psst. If you are an entrepreneur with a product or service for the Muslim market, let's get in touch. We are Halal.ad, a marketing agency and ad network for the ever-growing Muslim market. We can help you reach millions of Muslims to grow your business. Visit www.halal.ad for a 30-minute free consultation. Now back to the show. Opportunities come up and you have to make decisions. And basically, does this take me towards the mountain or does this take me away? Something might look good and be kind of profitable or, you know, like a good job. But is it, you know, is it kind of going to take me away from what I want to try to be doing in life? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that type of thinking awareness um, will, will get you a long way, I think. Very interesting, very interesting approach. So, you know, like creating, like I know, because we also run, uh, not, 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 I would say, I wouldn't say graphic, but in terms of ad, we have a similar agency. I know it's the challenge. So tell me what is the, one mm. of the biggest struggles with running a creative agency and how do you find solutions to, the, to them? Yeah, well, look, there, there's many. And, you know, I think one of the challenges is, is consistent change. But that's really across any business now. You know, mm. any, 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 any company today is also has to have a, a digital presence. So in, in, in whatever you are, even if you're a florist, you know, and mm. you, you know, or medical, you need to have some sort of digital way that people access to you or a book or at least find out about you. So, you know, we're all in this transformation phase. And I think, uh, if I look at when I started, like early on and the type of work and the type of, you know, the way, yeah, you know, kind of day to day work compared to now, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's changed a lot. Um, I think it's so it's just being, you know, being excited about embracing um, a little bit of change. And, you know, you've got to kind of just um, be ready to try things out all the time. But yeah, there's the same day to day challenges of, you know, maintaining, you know, good projects and maintaining really strong relationships. And, you know, being ready that, you know, there's things you just can't be ready for. Things just come along. You might have, we had, you know, there's a certain project that was going really well. And, uh, you know, it was, everyone loved it, good feedback. And, we were, you know, we had made big decisions around it. But um, sadly, the main investor for that passed away mm -hmm. unexpectedly. He mm -hmm. was, you know, only in 
you know, Larry Hummel, who's only in his 30s. And that sort of changed the course of, that, of this whole, you know, set of decisions that were made. So mm. things just happen and um, you appreciate God really is the best of planets. You, it's only, <laughs> you only see that wisdom later or, you know, maybe not for a long, long time. I mean, I understand what you're talking about. And, and, you know, sometimes, as you said, things we think it's bad, but actually if you're looking backwards, like we can only connect the dots looking backward, right? Maybe, yeah, most mm. of the time it's, it, it, it is good for us. We don't know. We don't know. We just actually, actually all of us just exploring one day at a time, right? And then see how it's going to go. So let me, look, yeah. you know, so many people, uh, they, they look at you when they look at you, I guess they look at as a serial entrepreneur trying to do, you know, try learn some successful some you know didn't six well that that's totally fine and and i understand you because i'm also some in your to understand it but i think what they might not know is like actually one of the things i noticed personally i don't know maybe what i don't know, I don't know what you think i think you are a very good community builder as well because whenever we met in dubai or in i mean the, you know the like-hearted community this is mm-hmm. not directly related to business but you guys like your team i think you guys were created that, that community i think which is amazing community so tell me more about that i mean which is not directly related to business but still you cared mm. about community because I remember when we go to Dubai, we're always having these meetings. Um, when mm. these meetings we are, we, we, we end up meeting amazing, cool Muslims around the world, right? Mm-hmm. I would have never mm-hmm. met. So tell me more about that, but how do you, how do you see that fit in the long-term vision? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, it's this sense of, um, so the term that I kind of adopted is, is like-hearted or like-heartedness. Mm. So, you know, it's, I mean, you know, people that we meet and spend time with anywhere, we're not necessarily like-minded, you know, in terms of sometimes <laughs> we think different, we would, you know, we have different approaches and, you you know, which is a good thing. Uh, like-hearted though means that, you know, what you kind of, you know, the kind of change and positive things you want to see happen in the world, you're very much kind of aligned there in, in whatever, you know, whatever your kind of career or path is, you know, you, you, you overall have this kind of hope and aspiration. So, it just, yeah, I mean, uh, things like that had come about over the years, for example, um, you know, j- probably out of the need of just wanting to connect and find a tribe of creative Muslims or, you know, kind of Muslims on this, you know, path of, uh, you know, trying to, you know, like respect the, the tradition and the legacy that we have, you know, that beautiful creative sort of heritage that is there. But how do we interpret that day to day now, very digital, very kind of social world, like, you know, looking back at these great, you know, architecture and art and calligraphy and mosaic. And, you know, know, is Islamic art, for example, just kind of stuck in that time in history or is it living and thriving and flourishing? Can who are the people doing those things? So I just personally had this, you know, this um, drive to find other people that are trying to figure this out. Mm. And that meant that I was doing events with a friend of mine and we call creativity in the spiritual path. Okay. And we would have um, we have these in you know San Francisco, in um, Toronto, in in Malaysia, and you know in Sydney and Melbourne, and and we did a few of these uh, you know every one a year just to, and it was this wonderful sense of people trying to um, figure this out, and we would have talks and all these great kind of emerging artists like someone like El Cid, for example, we caught very early on before he was kind of well known and kind of befriended him and and others. And then we would bring masters of the path, like people, people like Peter Sanders, the, mm-hmm. the photographer, or Haji Nuruddin. We would that would kind of help guide us in these kind of questions. And we, uh, what that had led is, is I, as I started to spend more time in Dubai, you know, I, I ran another one called instead of creativity in the spiritual path, I call it startups in the spiritual path. Mm-hmm. And I had taken a lot more interest in, you know, around that time in, uh, you know, I had 
done a two-year Stanford course around entrepreneurship to really understand like the language of startups and and the role of design there. And um, so, and I felt like Dubai was an interesting place to do that. It was a hit. Lots of people kind of flew in for it. And we just connected on this idea of, you know, startups on the spiritual path. How do you connect entrepreneurship and spirituality and creativity and design? And out of that just came this organic, it was like a magnetic kind of effect that then, you know, because I was kind of based there for a while, once a month, people would would start coming and, and it would just attract more people each time. And there's this kind of special journey. This is like 2016, 2017, 2018, when I was kind of very active there. And um, it's just people, you know, people on that path, but trying to together meet with like-hearted people. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we met a few times there. And, uh, you know, that's now kind of, just sort of flourished around the world in its own way in different places. And yeah, it's just, it's just people trying to, um, yeah, just trying to do something great in the world and, you know, but, but really embrace this sense of like, you know, togetherness, we're, we're building something, we can support each other and um, just counter a lot of the negative energy in the world with positive projects, with, you know, startups, with trying ideas, with helping each other launch apps, platforms, and, you know, or, you know, people that have taken it really far and, and succeeded and, and launched and got funding and built things um, or just visual artists who are like asking really good questions and, you know, creating beautiful art that becomes a window into, you know, modern kind of, um, you know, Islamic experience or, you know, modern experience that Muslims have. So, yeah, that's, you, that's, that's kind of a, the, yeah, the overall journey that it's been. Yeah, that sounds cool. I think it's exactly what precisely, you know, explains what it is. So, I know we've been talking for a while. I just uh, try to keep it short. So here's the thing, Peter. Like, as um, I, I want to ask, I want like one more question. Uh, I think the question I would like to ask you is that: What do you think? What does success mean to you? Do you struggle with Dean and Dunya balance in your life? Meet Salam App, a Muslim social network where your ego, nafs, is not in the center. It is a place to feed your soul with daily inspiration, to make new Muslim friends, and connect with Ummah. Visit www.salam.app and download free for your iPhone or Android. Yeah, yeah, great question. I, You know, that definition for me has actually changed. If you ask me 10 years ago, it would probably be a little bit more cliched and cheesy around, you know. you know, Give me cheesy things. first. Yeah, okay. <laughs> cheesy, cheesy first was like was much more t- material based, you know, okay. material, but you know, you, you know, material, but with you know, you know, also you know, in balance with with family and aspirations and home life and and those things, like probably more conventional kind of understanding, and and of course that's still all all relevant, but I think and as as I you know approach forty now, it's it's uh, success is much more of an inner understanding and an inner state where you know it's getting to a place where you're in a state of i would say uriba. so rida is you know deep deep contentment mm-hmm. and you know that is what success looks like now if you know that that's and that's that's not a new thing that's a timeless thing that the ancients understood that you know muslims understood the layperson understood the scholar understood is that inner state and inner acceptance and awareness and i asked my one of my teachers what what is rida like is it meaning like inner contentment and it's like surrender and you know, like that's that's sort of the the state you want to be, and he explained it as like, well, it's actually it's that, but it's actually being accepting fully every decision that has ever been made in the history of everything and existence and everything that ever will be, 
And I was like, wow, okay, that's a much <laughs> deeper state of the law, which is, you know, I was putting a very, you know, ego lens onto it and saying about me and my surrender, but it's really, you know, accepting the whole of existence. And that's, that's deep. So I'm still navigating that. But success has a lot more to do with inner state, inner contentment, peace, sakina, rada, and of course, living in the world, um, you know, trying to uh, do that while achieving um, certain things you want to build, certain impact you want to have, lives, you know, you want to inspire your kids and, you know, create products and brands that I, I feel like that's, you know, allows giving me kind of a, some kind of encouragement to go down, you know, building these types of things, you know, and but do them in a positive way, inspire people. It, it's all of those things together. And just trying to, you know, be be a good dad, be a good husband, you know, stay healthy, try and be fit, have some fun. <laughs> it's it's a hundred <laughs> other things, you know. It's and and it's 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 never just um, static and just you know, uh, it, it's always in motion and you're always in cycles and it's like a Wi-Fi signal. It's like sometimes it's full, other times it's like, eh, the connection dropped. What's happening? You know, it's <laughs> it's learning and growing. That, that reminds me that the verse uh, from the Quran about the nafsul mutma'inna. You know the the, the self. What's called mutma'inna? Um, I think in that sense that that's how do, how do you how do you translate it? It's like a, a, a soul in serenity and contentment, isn't it? Mutma'inna. Something. Yeah, like I I I don't I don't know the Arabic so well, but yeah, it's I mean the the one that I kind of think more when I when I'm trying to understand state and concepts around the rida is. You know, is you know, you know, truly hearts find rest in the remembrance of Allah, mm. and that dhikr, that dhikr Allah, that remembrance is just so simple but so profound a concept. And you can interpret that remembrance however you know makes sense for you, it works for you. You know, um, the interesting but, part is that that rida, if I understood correctly, it doesn't come because of the outcome, right? It's irrelevant of the outcome. That's the that's the true profoundness, isn't it? Yeah, you just you accept you're in that state, and I, I feel like as life goes further, as I understand more, my understanding hopefully will will become richer, and I'll get more clarity on Rida. But as it is right now, it's like uh, you know when you're a busy you know parent and trying to do twenty things at one, every one day, like you know you appreciate that if you can get moments of that clarity and that moments of the other key concepts of shukr, like gratitude, just. Gratitude is the key to, I think, uh, you know, peaceful existence as well. Just being grateful, looking at your blessings each day. You know, I have certain practices I do each day where, you know, I, I just try and be in that state as much as possible. And, and that's how I kind of think of prayer as well, is like a state of gratitude where, you know, you take time each day to just remember. And what's the first, you know, line in Al-Fatih? It's Alhamdulillah. You know, you're thanking God for your blessings. Like, I mean, just if you if you were to strip everything away, just at the very heart, it's just being grateful, like, wow, you're alive, you're breathing, look where you are, you're, you're safe, you're healthy, and then you could just go out and out and that, you know, to an you know, infinite number of blessings you have around you each day. That's the highest note we can end the show, I think. So let me ask you this. So did, do you think I should have asked a question that I might have not asked you? Would you like to add something to the cherry as a cherry on top to what we discussed? Yeah, um, I think the only thing, well, uh, I'm cool. I think that was great. You could ask me what, what I'm working on this year or next or something like that because okay. I'm, I'm working on a, on a new kind of thread of work. So, yeah, you oh, could cool. ask me something like that. Cool. Yeah. So uh, we, we will be wrapping up soon, uh, Peter. So tell me what are you up to these days? 
Yeah, I one thing that I've I've through this kind of journey, I, I've you know I've noticed that quite a few people reach out or people kind of you know write and ask questions or you know I've done a few kind of workshops or speaking engagements, just kind of sharing parts of these stories and the fact that I'm still trying to figure it out as I go, but share the little that I know. And one of the things I felt is you know I, I really should track you know try and write this down, try and um, you know find a good way of answering those questions. So I've been writing what may become a book or hopefully at least a course where I'm teaching some of this, you know, it's kind of really about designing from the heart or designing with heart and design in a broad sense, not just, you know, literally graphic design or designing an app, but really helping, you know, design your life, designing, you know, your kind of career or trying to design your um, help design parts of your journey to, you know, have, make the impact that you hope to do, but also do that in that state of, you know, the maqam of shukur, you know, the state of gratitude, um, you know, having that understanding of, um, you know, ruda, that inner kind of contentment. How do you do all those things? So I definitely don't have all the answers and I haven't, I'm not sort of some high level sage that's mm-hmm. done all this, but I can share a few things that I found helpful and, and that's what I'm going to try and write and do this year, inshallah. That's awesome. So we are looking forward, forward to that book. Uh, until then, if you, if there are any links or websites you would like to mention, that would be the best time now. So we'll also, of course, we'll also link to them in the show. Either, I think the one of the sites is the Zilij. Is that Z- Can you spell that, please, on the for the audience? Yeah, yeah. It's it's Z I L E E J, and Zilij. Just so people know, Zilij is actually the Moroccan or Andalusi word for that beautiful Islamic tiling. So if you're in Morocco mm. or southern Spain and you said Zilij, they'll point to the patterns on the <laughs> Alhambra or Morocco and they'll say Ah Zilij. Or in Spain, it's like Ah Zilijos. It's like the it's the uh, the beautiful mosaic pattern. So the idea is that each of us are individually tiles, but when we're together, um, we make this beautiful pattern when we all work together. So that's why I kind of chose that name. Beautiful name. Beautiful name. Beautiful story, Peter. And uh, Mel, I reward you for your time and for sharing your story. And hopefully, you know, by this one, we can end up inspiring for the future generations and uh, many generations to come. And by having said that, I'm going to thank you for your time. Dear listener, based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. For show notes and questions for episodes, please visit www.muslimsonfire.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like our show, please rate, share with friends, and leave a review. With your help, it will enable us to reach more people and change their lives for the better. Stay tuned. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.